You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Choby. Tinker's going to snap it. Dixon's going to spot it. And from 32, can Myers win this one in overtime for the Seahawks? There's the snap. There's the spot. The kick is away. And the kick is good! The Seahawks win the game! The final regular season game of the year! They win it at home against the Rams. And now the playoff chances still live for the Seahawks. The final score, Seattle 19, the Rams 16. A hard-fought battle, and Jason Myers wins it with a field goal in overtime. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk. The Seahawks are in the postseason. The football gods were looking down on us, and it was so beautiful. Jason Myers got a chance at redemption. Gets the Seahawks into the playoffs after they beat the Rams 19-16 in overtime. The Seahawks got the help they needed from the Detroit Lions. Thank you, Dan Campbell and everybody in Detroit for getting the Seahawks in the playoffs. But it's about that time. Let's go through what happened on Sunday. What had happened? See, what had happened at first was... What had happened was on Hawk Talk. Well, man, so when we were doing our post-game show last night, we were obviously, the game was going on. We knew we had won. Detroit was playing. They were down early in that game trying to fight back. And we get off the air, and there's still a half hour to go. Everyone's kind of going their separate ways. We're all texting each other. How'd you enjoy the last 30 minutes of that Packers-Lions game? Oh, man, it was awesome. You know, went to the spot, met up with, with some friends and stuff, and all Seahawk fans were Lions fans. I actually met some people from Detroit who were watching the game and they were, it was bittersweet. They're like, yeah, we're not playing for anything, but at least we can help you guys out. But it was intense, man. It was like, I was watching a Seahawks game, honestly, like I'm rooting for the lions on third and long. They have a, a crazy like flea flicker type play where they, they convert and make it what third and two or something like that. Then on fourth down, Jared Goff is going for it. I'm like, I was emotionally invested in that game. Oh, yeah, to say the least, I was losing my mind. I went home and had my daughter at home, and I couldn't scream and yell like I wanted to because we just tried <laughs> to put her down for bedtime, but it was a lot of silent cheers, and I couldn't believe the stones on Dan Campbell to run some of those plays. I get it, yeah. They didn't have the playoffs to play for, so maybe they have to play a little looser, but you call a hook-and-ladder type play in that situation, and then Jared Goff on all those fourth downs, I mean – Big ups to the Lions because thank you, Ray Roberts, whoever you called, whatever you had to do down in Detroit to get them to win at Lambeau Field when they were three of their last, like, 19 or something like that since the year 2000. So big ups to Detroit, got the Seahawks in the playoffs. But, bump, it started before that because the Seahawks, you know, had to take care of business at home against the Rams. And this year, you know, some of those type of games have been tough, and it's always tough against the Rams. This is the first time the Seahawks have swept the Rams since 2013, so it's been a long time. And this game started completely opposite of the Jets game. Jets game starts off, six-yard run by K-9. Boom, three plays later, Colby Parkinson touchdown. This week, completely different. First play from scrimmage, Geno Smith intercepted by Jalen Ramsey, deep in Hawks territory. The Seahawks defense would hold, and the Rams would settle for a field goal, make a 3 nothing early bump, but... Really disastrous start from the Seahawks on offense, for sure. Yeah, disastrous. Geno throws that pick. Defense holds up. So it started off bad, but then the defense kind of kept them in the game. Um, you mentioned 
They go down 3-0, but then the Hawks go 11 plays, 56 yards, but they will settle for a field goal. He had a false start from Geno. He was lined up as a receiver during that Wildcat formation with DJ Dallas uh, standing there at quarterback. I was excited when I saw that. I go, just don't throw the football like they did against the Niners. (laughs) Week two, DJ, just run that thing. And then after after a Rams punt, uh, they would exchange field goals, making the score six to six. And uh, it was just a dogfight, man. It was, you knew it was going to be a close one, but just the way the game started, uh, it reassured you that your thoughts were accurate. It's going to be a tight game. Yeah. I mean, every time it is out with the Rams and something about it, I don't know what it is. Sean McVay always has those guys ready to play. It's a divisional game. We saw it with Detroit and Green Bay. Teams are going to play hard, even if there's nothing on the line. And the Rams absolutely did that. After that, you know, six, six, the next three drives were punts before the Rams finally get in the end zone themselves on a nine-play, 87-yard drive, ending with a 2-2 Atwell, 11-yard touchdown run. That made the score 13-6 at half. And when we went into halftime, you're like, the Seahawks are felt like they were dominating the football game. We just didn't see it on the scoreboard. So the Seahawks get a force the Rams punt on the first possession. They take over the ball. They would put together their best drive of the day to that point, five plays, 88 yards, ending with a Tyler Lockett, 36-yard touchdown that tied the score up at 13. Yep, uh, then the Hawks put together another nice drive. They stalled on the one-yard line, though, after going 16 plays, man. I think the longest drive this year was 17 plays for these guys. So 16 plays, 82 yards. They would have to settle for a field goal, tying the game at 16. Uh, Then the Hawks force a punt. They get the ball back with a chance to win the game. Geno gets outside the pocket. He scrambles, gets to the sideline. Jalen Ramsey lowers his shoulder. Got a late hit right there. That tacked on 15 more yards, setting up. A chance to win the game. Jason Myers kicking towards the north end zone. As soon mm. as I put all that together, I'm thinking, yeah, this this ain't going to be a little chip shot. That's the north end zone. North end zone don't play. No, it doesn't. And the wind started to kind of pick up. It was wet, nasty game. It hits off the upright, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness. That forced overtime. And then you think, okay, Seahawks win the toss. Chan on some T-Jack energy. R.I.P. T-Jack used to always win all them coin tosses. And the Seahawks do nothing with their first possession. They go three and out, punt the football. And then their defense is on the field, and you're thinking, you know, next score wins. So even a field goal, you're hoping the defense could stand up strong. And they absolutely did that when Quandre Diggs comes up with a huge interception, getting the ball back from the Seahawks. We're going to break that play down in the film room. But that was a huge play, season-saving play by Quandre Diggs, honestly, because it looked like Van Jefferson was open on that play. He makes an unbelievable interception, setting the Seahawks, giving them the ball back. Yeah, I was actually um, in the Verizon Lounge that's in the south end zone looking through the glass and saw it go down. I saw Mayfield fire that thing. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I just see Diggs flying out of nowhere, intercepts it, catches the football, and then points to Bobby right afterwards. Mm. Bobby's right there on the sideline. Low gamesmanship there. Gino gets the football. They go down the field. They start to march, and they set. You know, and there were a couple good runs by Ken Walker um, during that that drive too that really set these guys up for success. You get Myers within range. He puts it on the foot. Boom. Overtime win went back to the the north end zone and uh, yep. it made things right. You know, absolutely you're right. Ken Walker had a nice 20 yard run that really set it up and made it and made it a chip shot. And then they got the ball on the other hatch and I think that was better suited for Jason Myers. And Myers is I felt bad for him because he has been amazing this season. He had the best year of yep. his career. You know, and he was nailed, so I, I had no doubt that he was going to make that second one. And the Seahawks are in the playoffs after we obviously we figure out what happened on Sunday Night Football. And the Seahawks have not missed the playoffs in consecutive seasons under Pete Carroll. The 10th time they've made it to the postseason. What Pete and John have done has been amazing. And honestly, Bump, this has to be probably 
in my opinion, other than winning the Super Bowl, their best job given what they went through this offseason, the players on the team, all the rookies are playing, has to be their best job. And if they don't win executive of the year and coach of the year, which we're probably going to get screwed over in, uh, it's a travesty <laughs> because the job they did this year is phenomenal. Yeah, man. Um, when it comes to losing a franchise quarterback, riding with Geno when people are asking other quarterbacks to come in, uh, Drew Locke over there. Uh, I did a film breakdown with Shane Waldron, and he loves some Drew Locke, but they ride with Geno playing a whole bunch of rookies. It was a uh, this show just the culture really matters in the organization because you were able to get these young guys to perform at a high level. And let's not forget, then you bring in Bruce Irvin, who I feel like elevated the play of this defense. Um, it was just overall a a great year. This year was going to be a success, even if they didn't make the playoffs, just because of all the things they accomplished. But them making the playoffs and doing it the way they did, um, icing on the cake. Now it's about uh, making some noise in this playoff. Oh, yeah. Once you're in the dance, you just need a ticket to the dance. Once you get in, who knows what could happen? We'll break down everything to know about the San Francisco 49ers later this week. But let's get into Playmakers. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Show them what time it is! Starting off where we usually do, and that's Geno Smith, but I'll be up front. He did not have his best football game. He said at post-game, and I think a couple different interviews, that he might have played, he thought, in his opinion, his worst game of the year. 19 of 31, 213 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. But here's the thing about Geno. He still got the job done when he needed it most. Almost had two, essentially two game-winning drives because he set up the game, initial game winner with Jason Myers. He missed that field goal. It takes him down the field again in overtime. So when it counted, Geno Smith still did his thing. And dude's just setting a ton of records franchise. This is how crazy Geno Smith's season has been this year. Set the single-season franchise record in attempts at 572, completions at 399, and yards 4,282, and completion percentage at 69.76%. He had, you know, arguably the best quarterbacking season in the history of this franchise. That includes Russell Wilson, Dave Craig, Matt Hasselback, Jim Zorn, a lot of really good football players. He also became the third QB in franchise history to throw 30 touchdowns in a season joining Russell Wilson, Dave Craig. So Gino, I mean, he didn't end it the best way statistically. I was really hoping he'd get to 70% on the season completion percentage. He would have been the 13th quarterback all time to do that. But there's not enough words to say about Geno Smith, what he's meant to this team, and to have the season he did with where the odds were, where people thought he was at, is just it's unbelievable, man. So shout out Geno Smith and uh, having one of the best seasons in Seahawks history. Yeah, extremely um, impressive what Geno did, man. I didn't think he had this in him, but uh, yeah, prove the haters wrong. Don't write back. All right, got to go to Ken Walker, man. He had 29 carries, 114 yards. Walker joined Kurt Warner as the second rookie in franchise history to rush for 1,000 yards. He put together three straight 100-yard rushing performances. And this is what you need. When you think about it, he really only played in like 14 games. Yeah. He did this because he wasn't the starter. He wasn't getting a lot of rest. Rashad Penny was the guy, and he is thrown into the starting position and had a great year. Again, we talk about awards. This guy should get probably get offensive rookie of the year. But you know how the how the league do us. You never know. Oh, yeah. They might give it to somebody else. For sure. I mean, he, yeah. Maybe Garrett Wilson. I don't know. Ken Walker's in the playoffs, leads the league in rookies and touchdowns. I don't know. But uh, keep it rolling. Tyler Lockett, he had a great game, too. Four receptions, 54 yards, one touchdown. That amazing 36-yard touchdown. Great ball by Geno Smith. Lockett always comes down with it. Never worry about if he's going to get his feet in bounds. He became the second player in franchise history to record four straight 1,000-yard seasons, joining Hall of Famer Steve Largent. 
Tyler Lockett, man, Mr. Consistent, day in, day out. Doesn't matter about his hands, his ankle, his knee, whatever. Tyler shows up almost every single week and gets the job done. Yeah, and it was a big touchdown he had, man. That really set the tone and, and gave the Seahawks that extra push to make them believe that they can get it done. Bruce Irvin had himself a day, three tackles, one and a half sacks, one TFL, two quarterback hits. He made plays early. He set the tone. I think the week before he only played in like 11 snaps or something like that. They said, look, you rest up because we're going to need you at the end of the season. He did exactly that. And then we talked about this guy already, Quandre Diggs, four tackles, one pass defended, one interception that saved the season. He ends the season with four interceptions. The only player in the NFL to have at least three interceptions the last six seasons. Man, now when he got into the Pro Bowl, we were a bit surprised. But it seemed like ever since he got into the Pro Bowl, he's kind of stepped it up a little bit. Again, he's a veteran guy. He understands as you get later into the season, um, you got to keep elevating. That's exactly what he did. Yeah, Quandre, honestly, he probably should have eight interceptions this season. I think you yeah, mentioned that when you used the podium a couple of weeks ago. And I think that might have skewed some of the numbers when it came to Pro Bowl voting. But the thing about this league is when players and coaches, also they all recognize it. They all respect Quandre, and they respect his game. They know what he contributes to the field. So I love to see that from Quandre. And then some of the other young guys, Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor. Boye had most productive game of the season. It's not going to light the world on fire in the stat sheet. Three tackles, one sack, one QB hit, but he was active. There's plenty of times I saw him setting the edge, doing a great job in run support, you know, things like of that nature, getting after the quarterback. So I'd love to see that from Boye. And Daryl Taylor, he had another sack. Finished the year with nine and a half sacks in a year we, I thought he was going to have crazy double digits. I thought he'd have at least 12-plus. And despite less playing time and despite it taking him a while to, uh, you know, really start to make any noise, he still had nine and a half sacks. So that just shows you if he can tap into his real potential, he could be something pretty special. Uh, Bump, take us through the receiver roundup. Again, another, another week, not a lot of big numbers. Yeah, not <laughs> – not a lot of big numbers, but enough to get the W. Tyler Lockett, four catches for 54 yards, one touchdown. Kobe Parkinson had two for 47, but a big reception for 32 yards. It felt like he had more than that, honestly. DK had three for 40. You could say Ramsey won this matchup. DK won the first round. Ramsey got this one. Derek Young, happy to see this young man out there. Not only did he make plays receiving the rock, two for 24. He was on special teams making plays as well. Kate Johnson got in there. He had two for 21. Noah Fan another four receptions for 20 yards. Ken Walker, one for 10. And then uh, DJ Dallas had a reception as well. So like you said, not a lot of huge numbers, but the distribution was on point and timely plays were made. Yeah, DJ Dallas, you mentioned that one. He had one catch minus three. Crazy one-handed grab, but he got hit right in the thigh or right in the hip. I know he's probably sore and feeling that today. But let's flip it over to the coach's corner. We talked about it. What saved the year for the Seahawks defensively? Quandre Diggs intercepts Baker Mayfield in overtime. Second and 15. Acres in the backfield. Mayfield from his own 21 under center. Play fake. Mayfield's looking left. Going to let it fly deep. Got a man, Van Jefferson. And it is picked off. Diggs picks it off. Steps out of bounds. Far side. Finally, Baker Mayfield throws us one. Diggs came from the middle of the field, raced all the way to the far side, and picked it off. His fourth interception of the season. The Seahawks have life. Man, that was just a hustle play. From Diggs, man, when you break this thing down, 
He has to hustle over to the side of Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen has a curl that's ran in front of him. He has to respect it, so he gives it the necessary attention. It looks like he has a deep third. Quandre sees number 12. I believe that is Van Jefferson. He hits the corner, and Diggs just, I mean, this is like a drill. You know when you warm up before a game? Yep. Drills, you turn around, you run to, towards the post. This is the drill. This is exactly what happened, man. Um, and then he makes the play. And he makes it harder than it has to be, I think, right? Because if you go up and attack the ball with two hands, um, you're you're more liable to catch it. He kind of catches it over the shoulder, which makes it look prettier, though. I'll give him that, man. Style points for that. But uh, that's just him having that free range, you know, being that that safety out there, having to roam and, and make these plays. And then as soon as he catches the football, he points at his boy, Bobby, who was right there. And uh, people are giving him a little bit of grief for not getting a feel. But I also ask these people to make one of the biggest plays in the season and let me know how you respond <laughs> with your emotions and stuff. But overall, man, just a good play. In a deep third, uh, saw the corner, breaks to the corner, makes a heck of a play. Man, Diggs looking like a pro bowler. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's how you draw it up. That's teach tape from a free safety standpoint. You're playing that center field. Atwell goes in motion. You only have a tight end backside. Um, looks like Higby stays in and blocks. So you have one deep threat. And I think Diggs talked about a post game. He said, oh, I saw the ball in the air. And he's like, oh, my goodness. He couldn't say what he was thinking in his head. They call that an O-blank read when you realize, like, oh, someone's running down the middle of the field. But he flips his hip. <laughs> the second you said that's like a drill, that's exactly what you thought of. Anyone who's been a DB before, the coach waves you back, forth, pedal, 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 boom, opens his shoulder. Then you either speed turn or get to the corner, and that's what he did, and you're right. And I think he kind of catches it the way he did because he kind of came flat right at the end because that ball's a little bit underthrown, and that's just, I mean, that's a hell of a play. And it's crazy because Diggs has had three balls were, were thrown right to him, it felt like, this year that he couldn't come yeah. down with, and he makes one of the most difficult and the most high-stress situations of a play, so – Shout out to Quandre Diggs. Little man is getting after it. Love it. He calls everyone else little man. That's why I call him little man there. He calls me little man. I was going to say, you better be me. careful, man. You don't be talking about Quandre like that. Every time he sees me, he <laughs> goes, hey, little man. And I'm like, okay, Quandre, put my business out there. But the Seahawks get it done. Going to the playoffs. I can't believe that we're here. You know, I did say that I thought we'd be in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I'm a very yeah. I'm optimistic, though, Bump. So, like, I, right. I was – speaking myself into believing it and that I really thought we were going to when we were six and three and then things got a little shaky towards the end, but the Seahawks get in the playoffs. And like we said, I hope we have a couple more of these as the season continues, but let's get into victory formation. Here comes the Seahawk offense onto the field and the Vikings defense trudging out there, knowing that one kneel down and the Seahawks are going to wind the clock down and win this one. It's the victory formation on Hawk Talk. Wasn't pretty, but the Hawks are back in the playoffs after a tough, gritty win over their division rivals. Spoiling Bobby Wagner's homecoming, and the Seahawks are back in the playoffs, like we said, for the 10th time in 13th season with Pete Carroll and John Snyder, and that's an unbelievable run, you know, especially in a year where everyone doubted them. Everyone said that they didn't know what they were doing, and it's painfully obvious that y'all don't know what you're doing, what you're talking about. And if you're listening to the pregame show this week, we, we got receipts. You're going to be hearing from us. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Ken Walker got it done to third straight game going over a hundred yards. And you saw rookies making plays everywhere, man. Boye Mafia had a sack. Kobe Bryant had a sack. Tariq was just being the avatar. He is all over the place. 
And the defense held the Rams to four for third, four for 14 on third downs and just 269 total yards. That's what you want to see. You didn't want the Rams all, all of a sudden become an offensive juggernaut, right? You haven't been that all year. Be who you are. The defense made sure that. Oh, no question about it. I love to see that the defense has made a lot of improvements the last month. So they're playing great. And Geno Smith, man, getting it done when it counts. You know, game on the line when it's winning time. Geno Smith has showed who he is despite having a couple throws he wish he could have back. And, man, I, I just alluded to it a second ago. You trade Russ. Bobby's gone. Everyone laughs at the QB situation. Worst team in the league. Not going to win three games. And I um, I love I know they're not this type of people, but I know Pete and John are being like, man, we tried to tell them. We've been yeah. doing this a long time. Sure. We know what we're doing. People just don't don't understand, and I'm I'm excited, bum, because the Seahawks are playing with house money right now. They're playing with yeah, house money. Go to San Fran, do what you can do. Come on, it wasn't a rebuild. Nah, it was not a rebuild. They said, "Look, we reloading. We might not have everything we need at this point, but we got enough to go out there and fight." That's exactly what they did this season. I'm exceeded expectations, and now we go to San Fran, baby. Book that flight, Nas. Let's go. It's already booked, locked, and loaded. Let's go get it done in San Francisco. And quick little side note, Bump, I, I looked this up earlier today. This is our 139th episode of this podcast. So we've been wow. we've been grinding for a minute. Number 140 is coming up this week, and we want to get higher. We want to keep yeah. doing this thing throughout the, the playoffs this year, and we'll hope to keep doing that. We'll be back with you later this week to break down the San Francisco 49ers and Seahawks. Head down to Santa Clara for the wild card playoffs. Reminder, you can catch us anywhere. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SiriusXM, Seahawks.com, and much more. He's Michael Bumbus. I'm Nasty Choby. This has been Hawk Talk, the recap edition at the Seahawks beat the Rams, get into the playoffs. We'll talk to you later this week.